There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Welcome back to the podcast. And today I bring you another guest. I'm very excited to share with you a conversation with Dr. Jane Nelson. She's a California licensed marriage and family therapist. She is the author or co-author of 16 positive discipline books, including the positive discipline parenting tools, which she co-authored with her daughter, Mary and her son, Brad, as well as numerous experiential training manuals for parents teachers, couples, and businesses. She earned her doctorate of education from the University of San Francisco, but her formal training has been secondary to her hands-on training. She is the mother of seven, grandmother of 22, and 18 great-grandchildren. She now shares this wealth of knowledge and experience as a popular keynote speaker and a workshop leader throughout the world. Welcome to the podcast, and and really, I should say, and to my friend who I've missed desperately, and I'm so glad we've had this opportunity to catch up. Thanks for joining me. Yes, I mean, I was so excited to hear from you because I just don't know anybody more fun to talk to than you. And since we're both in the same business, I just want to that we both write parenting books based on the Adler and Drikers. And uh, yours are always just so much fun. I mean, I love I love attending your workshops because I think that we learn a lot when we're laughing. <laughs> oh, well, uh, totally true. And, you know, you are one of my mentors and you are you are groundbreaking in this field and make it so much easier for the people that follow it behind you. And and what an offering to the to the world that you're making. So I'm curious. I don't know your like origin story. Like where, where did where were you raised and like how did you come to discover Adler and Drakers in your world? Well, uh, at the time I had five children. Do I have five? Anyway. <laughs> you start losing count. That's the problem with big families. <laughs> well, and, and as I look back and the older I get, like, I, I just couldn't believe how long it's been since we've seen each other. Um, but I do know that I was really struggling to be a, a good parent. I wanted to be a good parent. And 
I was one of those who would just skip from being too permissive till I couldn't stand my kids. You know, they'd get demanding and spoiled. And so then I, okay, I've got to go be more strict. And then I didn't like myself. And uh, so I decided to take a class at uh, Brigham Young University on child development. And, and I was just so lucky to get this professor who had been studying Adler in psychology and said, we're not going to teach you a bunch of theories. We're going to teach you one theory and how to apply it in practical ways that really work to help children learn self-discipline, responsibility, cooperate, all those good things. And, and I remember thinking, wow, that would sure be nice. But I also have to tell you, Allison, I'm what I call an obnoxious learner. <laughs> I was one of those. Yes, but, well, what happened? You know, well, if you don't punish, does that mean they're going to get away with anything, do anything they want? And oh, I mean, I was always having my hand raised and I could just tell that the professor was just cringing every time he saw my hand go up. But I did learn that these things did start to work so well. And, and when they didn't, I would go back and I would learn the piece that I had missed. That, so that's why it didn't work. And because it just helped me so much, I just thought, oh, I want to share this with others. And I just started sharing it with friends. And then uh, I, I just wanted to study more. And so I went to started going to NASAP, the North American Society of Editor and Psychology. And then I went on to get my master's and I tried to find somebody who, anyway, I have just, um, I've, it's like so many people who find this work and it speaks to their heart and they just adopt it with passion. And, and so as I just kept sharing it and, you know, I can remember when I charged $30 for a lecture and, and until I got too busy, I thought, well, I'll raise my price. Then nobody will want me. So I raised my price to 80 and more people wanted me. And so then I just was lucky enough to get a job at a, a, as an elementary school counselor after I got my master's degree. And they were doing, um, they hired, had hired John Platt to do Adlerian psychology in this whole school district. Wow. Now, uh, I know uh, John Platt, I know his books, but so you're still talking um, the uh, the West Coast of the States, right? But further north, where, where was John Platt practicing? It was in uh, Elk Grove School District, which is just below Sacramento. Okay. And, and so we lived in uh, Sacramento area. And so they wrote a grant for uh, applying positive discipline. Well, it wasn't called positive discipline then, but these Adlerian principles in, they had two experimental schools and one control school and they hired an evaluator. And I was just lucky enough to get the job as the director of that uh, workshop. They wrote it for John Platt, but then he got a full-time job on grants or soft money. So, since we had a paid evaluator everything, I thought, oh, I should might as well go get a doctorate based on this. Right. <laughs> and so I did that. And, and then we got um, uh, the funding showed. I mean, the, the workshops that we did proved so statistically significant that we got uh, dissemination money. So I was able to disseminate the program all over. And so then I finally just wrote the book after I got my dissertation and was so surprised that it did well 
and it has just kept doing well. Well, and so she's being very humble, people. Can I, let me, let me just intercept here and uh, say, uh, I mean, I thought that I had a handle on how big and far and wide your reach was. And even just in preparing, because we have not bumped into each other in the last little bit because of the restrictions of COVID and, and being at different conferences at different times. And, uh, and I went to the international rights tab on your website and it, and it goes for pages, people. I mean, this book has been, and, and multiple versions, I have to say, right? Because you've been very good about addressing um, different ages and stages in, in, in family life, right? So there's positive discipline, not only for preschoolers, but also the classroom and for teens. And like, you've gone into some of these subsections and then you sell, you get these translated into like rights and, and languages around the world. And it's not just the book. It's the training that follows behind. So, so t- tell me a little bit about when did it start to become the um, the traveling show? <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it started to become uh, more popular our training in the United States because of our experiential learning. You know, we just don't believe in doing lectures. We just mostly get um, parents and teachers involved in experiential activities where they learn from their own experience in role playing a child or practicing the, the skills. But then we did a DVD training. It was DVDs in those days. And all of a sudden we started getting orders from all over the world. And it is now, we've had orders from 77 countries. But some people who found it in some countries, like in China, we have over 10,000 parent educators who have, because we had people start going over there and training in person and they just, You'd wonder, with a culture so different, why why was it so popular there? Uh, but again, it's because, you know, we all have different cultures, but we also have so many similarities. We all love our children. We want the best for them. And when they were able to just do the experiential activities, it, it just caught on. And so we have affiliates in, in France and in uh, Spain and in many in South America, and I am still just overwhelmed. I know, I just could hardly believe this. <laughs> well, and and so I think for people that um, are are tuning in, they should know that there's been a bit of a history in with Adlerian groups, whereby, and I'm thinking specifically of Akasi and some of the trainings that have happened. That as we have moved towards more democratization in the world that when countries who have been under an oppressive regime finally do get some power, rise up, get some democracy, and they, then they don't want to repeat the patterns of their childhood, they're more, they're, I feel that they're you know, more eager to look for alternatives than maybe even us Americans, North Americans who have maybe rested on our laurels a little bit. And, uh, and we, we, it's not so recent in our history the way it is for some of these countries to say that we really don't want to repeat this pattern. And they're, and they're seekers. They're, they're obnoxious learners, too. But I do want you to know that there's a huge difference between the people and the government. Oh, gosh. Very good point. So, and I want to get into your experience of having to, like, yes, if they reach out to you, it's great. Of course, you're going to say we've got materials and we'll translate and we'll come to you and you'll do all those things. But have you ever had it the other way where you've had to go try to work with the government to get into these places or to try to 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 get whatever visas or things to come bring these ideas well, yes, and, and it's different in so many of the different countries. Like, 
But in China, for example, we were just very careful that we were not saying this is democratic parenting. <laughs> they wouldn't take the word democratic there at all. You could say back, but what did you use? What word did you use instead? We used respectful parenting. Respectful, yeah. But but you know, the thing that's so interesting is that so many of the parents there who, it was more typical for the last generation for parents to actually beat their children. And we said, oh, you mean spanked. And then, no, no, they beat us because they thought that was the way to motivate them to do better. And so then a lot of them started going the other extreme and this generation and being permissive with these kids who, one child, you know, they only had one child and they just were, but anyway, it just took on there. But you know what happened in a, um, some of the South American, especially in Colombia, this was an amazing thing. We had a couple of our trainers who decided to go to the uh, Medellin in Medellin, Colombia, which was once the most dangerous city in the world, the most you know violent, and um, is the mayor, they got a mayor in who decided to really clean up the city. And then he said, okay, now we've got to go into the homes. And a couple of our parent educators went to the first lady, you know, the mayor's wife. And she just adopted this program and they started putting it. First of all, they tried to get parents to come to schools and they didn't want to come to the school. So they said, we'll go into the businesses and we'll ask the businesses if they'll have parenting classes because they're all parents. And it made such a huge difference that they had a city council mandated to the parents go through this positive discipline workshop. Hallelujah. Wouldn't yeah. that be wonderful? Yes. And so then what happened is um, now five other cities have caught on and they all want to come. Big cities in uh, Colombia. In Peru, they got the government involved. You know, it started, it was not UNESCO. Oh, let's see. What are, not save the children. What's another big one that works with children? UNICEF. 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 And so um, a couple of started cooperating with UNICEF. Uh, to, and so now they've just adopted it in, in the government in Peru. So, oh, and in um, uh, Durango, Mexico, I was on a big uh, Zoom call recently where they're going to adopt it in their city. Uh, and they have somebody from Spain who is a certified positive discipline uh, facilitator who's going to teach the people in Mexico, <laughs> Durango. So how so anyway. when it's adopted in the city, what does that, what privileges does that give? You know, I mean, it's endorsed, funding. but. Funding the government, you know, so, so they decide that they will fund it and that people can come for free. Oh, so make it accessible to the people. They'll right. pay for the trainers that have been through the program that are, that are qualified and. Oh, yes, and unfortunately, there are enough parents who, even though they felt forced to go at first, that like it so much that the word spreads and they they love it. So, and and is anyone doing any research on how that is changing? Uh, you, you know, the crime rates or uh, school dropout numbers or anything like that. Well, they they did do they didn't do a, a, a study that was as scientific as it should be, but they did do the numbers and they found out that the numbers of people who were not using uh, child abuse and uh, school, I don't know what it was. They had a, a, a lot of numbers. It just wasn't one of those where they do the experimental and the control and all of that. Right. And and meets the criteria for peer reviewed. It's very hard. It's, I mean, you know, we, I know that um, we as parent educators uh, tried to get together to pool some of our data uh, with Jody McVitie 
in order to, you know, she's very good at, at research as a former uh, family doctor who became a parent educator and, and was trying to, to it's very research. Uh, we have to really, really respect people who get that work done. It's hard to fund, hard to meet all the criteria. Uh, and of course, this would all be secondary to your work because you're, you're training the trainers. You're not looking after the implementation of the programs, I assume. Well, the problem is, is I don't like research. And the reason I don't like it is I don't understand it. I don't know how I ever got through my statistic classes. But uh, Kelly Grafeyer, who is now the director of the Positive Association, and that's another thing that helped. You know, the bunch of people who liked it wanted a nonprofit organization to do the certifying. And Kelly loves research. So we wrote a book together called Positive Discipline Tools for Teachers, where she found the research to validate every tool, all 52 of them. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, yeah, just to, just to be clear here, that when, when we talk about evidence-based and research, but what there, we know that the world is doing all, we've probably never done more research on children, child development, parenting, family structures than we have in the last 100 years. Right. We, we, we really didn't know previously even that environment mattered in children's upbringing until in the history of humans relatively recently. And uh, so, you know, it became sort of like the hot topic. And so I think your experience is probably the same as mine, where we read all kinds of research and new things that are found. And we, and we kind of say, yep, we, we, we knew that. We, we knew, knew that. So glad someone went out and got the numbers to prove it. But I've never read anything where I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to have to retract that. Never. And I think even in the day when Adler was working in the, the school systems in Vienna, again, I haven't read the original writings and it would have to be translated anyways. But my understanding or the folklore is that he brought down um, juvenile delinquency rates in, in Vienna that was part of you know, but every school that there, they also as a city adopted the Adlerian methodology and they tracked some of those numbers and proof. And to your point, proof's in the pudding. When you're, when your society gets better and your society functions better, the return on that investment, it, it works. What else is there to say? It works. Try it. It works. <laughs> well, what I just love is that the, all of the research and especially the, not, not just especially, but even the brain research is just validating everything Adler and Dreikers taught. And, you know, I, gosh, it's probably how long been since I taught child development. I taught child development for 10 years at a community college. And what I noted then is that this was probably at least 40 years ago. The research was there, but it was all buried in academic journals. You know, they have learned, they've known for so long that punishment is not effective long-term. And, and yet the, um, what you call the, conventional wisdom among parents is, oh, you've got to spank them or you've got to hit them to motivate them to do better. So, uh, but now the research is coming out more and more, and especially with Dan Siegel's books on brain research. And all he does is validate what we've known for a long time. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, it isn't just that the punishment piece, really the dominant theory that we've, that was more adopted publicly was behavioralism. Oh, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, and for people who don't, maybe you want to speak to what behavioralism is and and how we're a contrast to that. You know, I love to talk about that because I think, you know, that there's uh, two main parenting models and there's the behaviorism, which is all external locus of control for kids. In other words, what that means is the adult's job to catch kids doing good and reward them and catch them doing quote bad and punish them. But what happens when the adult's not around? 
Uh, it, it does not internalize for the kids. Uh, but in Adlerian psychology, um, or, or what is called authoritative parenting, <laughs> then it's uh, based on helping kids do the right thing even when no one's looking. So we're more in, interested in teaching them the life skills they need rather than just blind obedience or trying to please an adult or, or rebellion <laughs> if they don't want. So yeah, it's, it's all, and I think that that's what so many people all over the country really like. They don't want to do the behaviorism anymore. They just really want their kids to be self-disciplined and responsible and, and to bring out that I really do believe that the desire to contribute, or as we Adlerians call it, is inborn in children. Uh, in, in fact, I, uh, Allison, have you seen those um, short, short videos done by Thomason and Warnikin where they show this 18-month-old child in the room with a researcher, and the parent is there too, but very, very stone-faced, and the researcher is putting things on a clothesline and he drops a clothespin. And you watch this little 18 month toddler who can hardly get up, go over and pick up the clothespin and hand it to, to the researcher. And he goes, <laughs> and it's just so cute to show how these, they're just natural that they want to help and contribute. Which we need to enhance with our training. You know, it, when we just start being authoritarian, we take that away from them. It has to be nurtured. It, they have to be uh, just like talking. You know, children have the natural ability to learn a language, but it has to be fostered and they get better and better at it. So that's what we are. So, you know, we want children uh, to develop that Gemeinschaftsgefühl or that. Uh, but one other thing I, I want to skip to is trauma is a big thing these days. Everybody's yes. talking about trauma. Adler was the first one to talk about trauma. And that the four mistaken goals are trauma, that the trauma is all based on our need to belong and to feel significant. And when we don't feel that need to belong or to feel significant, that's trauma. And of course, it can be all arranged. Like for the children who seek undue attention, that can be mild or stronger. The ones who get into power struggles because they don't feel they belong, that can be very strong or very mild. And revenge, you know, all of those, those are just stages of the different kinds of trauma. And I just love it that people said, well, to Dracos, why do you keep putting children in these boxes? And he said, I don't keep putting them there. I keep finding them there. <laughs> there so, so many people act like that's not a, uh, that's a, a new thing rather than something that that's the basis of what Adler and Dracos taught. Yeah. Do you have a favorite part of the theory that you just like can't wait to teach where you're just like, ah, I mean, it's, it's so hard to have a favorite tenant, but you know, sometimes we have favorite things to teach because of how it lands with people. Well, I think that I'm going to, can I mention two? I, I have to mention more than one, but the reason I think it's popular all over the world is because we talked first about dignity and respect. And I think that that was the foundation of what Adler taught that every human being, um, wants and deserves dignity and respect, including children. You know, they were the first ones to say, including children. Uh, but then the other thing is to find that balance between being kind and firm. You know, when the big old debate that goes on for centuries is to punish or not to punish, because people have thought there's only two, you either punish or you're permissive. And um, 
one of the things that's interesting, though, is some people come to positive discipline because they don't want to be punitive, but then they get permissive. And so we have to say, you've got to have the kind and firm part. It's and, true. You, you can be allergic to anything that looks firm if you were the recipient of mistreatment and you are worried about passing on the baton of that, right. you know, and, and to put to your point, then you err, you err on the more lenient side, which just invites another set of troubles. It might be different troubles, but it's not exactly. the solution. Exactly. Because, and it's really not respectful to teach kids to expect that love means getting other people to take care of me. And so that the world should revolve around me, that's not respectful for them long-term. And so, you know, the other thing though, is I'm really helping parents learn that my that firm does not look mean at all when it's balanced with kind. And this is why, you know, like one of the primary things of positive discipline is connection before correction. I mean, if a parent just says, no, you can't go to that game, <laughs> that's mild, <laughs> mild punishment. But to say, honey, I love you, and I know how much you want to go this game, and you're so disappointed that you can't, and no, you can't. <laughs> that just feels so much different. In fact, that was an exact conversation I had with my daughter once, where she, when I was trying to talk her into why she couldn't go. She could out-talk me. She could tell me why she should be able to. I was losing until I said, honey, I love you. And the answer is no. And she's oh, okay. You're so tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love you so much. We won't be having cotton floss for uh, breakfast. <laughs> right. And, you know, that takes a, a, a real skill. Um, so I think that those, those, well, I actually mentioned three you know, the dignity, respect, kind and firm and connection before correction. Yeah, so, it's so important. And, and, and even in cultures, and it's, it's very subjective too. what firm, what, what firm slash mean looks like, you know? Um, I remember having a, a, going to meet the Italian side of the family, and I had never really been at a, you know, a, a full, like, from Italy, didn't speak a word of English, having a traditional meal. And I remember leaving thinking, oh, why was everyone so mad at each other? And they were like, no one was mad. And I said, no, everyone was yelling. And they were saying like, eat, eat, why aren't you eating? And they were like, oh no, that was love. And I'm like, oh, wow, I really have to learn the cultural overlay here. And uh, and more and more, because I live in a multicultural city, I, I tr try to be respectful of culture, but I say, you know, you need to teach me so that I can try to be as sensitive as, as possible. I'm the first one to admit I, I don't know your culture. Help me along here. And I must think for you, really living with these families and really spending time in, entrenched in these cultures, you, you must see that, that same piece where you sort of say that line of firm versus friendly can look this loud in this country <laughs> or, or this or has this many arm movements associated with it where it might be very still face, you know, uh, somewhere else to, to see all that play out. But, but it's all the other tools. I mean, this is why we have a, a like, people want to know what else to do. If I can't punish and I can't reward, what else? And you, you can't tell them what not to do if you don't have a lot of ideas about what to do. But the other, I think, really main thing that I love is getting kids involved in solutions. There's no need for um, punishment or reward when they are involved, like during the family meetings and the class meetings. And Allison, I have to tell you, I really believe that if 
every home was having family meetings where they involved the kids in solutions and every school was doing class meetings every day that we would have peace in the world. Because when the kids are involved in coming up with the solutions, it helps them feel belonging. It helps them feel respected. They feel dignity. They respect. They, they don't have the need to misbehave. And they feel empowered and encouraged because they're included respectfully. In, in Anyway, I just think that those are just so powerful when people ask me, what are my favorite tools? Well, the reason I love family meetings is because it includes all the tools. The kids are learning <laughs> to solve problems and to complement each other and to look for the good and to have fun together. So, and so, do you have the same experience that I do, where people, where it's easy to get people to see the value, and people that stick with it thank them. But there's a great lion's share of people that say. I heard about them. I tried them. Yeah, we should get back to them. And and getting people to get it, to get them to stick to do them seems to it's the compliance with family meetings that I find is is part of the difficulty. And also because I think chairing a family meeting, it, a lot of family dynamics come up in the course of the meeting, and there's a lot of skills to be the leader and to not feel overwhelmed by stuff that, that that comes up. And I think parents are frightened of their skill set and they don't so they don't stumble along as neophytes until they, you know, get a little get a little traction going. Um, I, I think sometimes they abandon them too early. Well, right. But to, uh, are they starting to see? I think that uh, they should start by the time kids are four. There's something happens between that age of three and four. When they're four, that's when they they're so smart. They have so many good ideas their brain has changed so that they really can participate and then to have them consistently. But I have to tell you, I, I've been able to tell some really fun stories. My kids loved them when they were younger, when they were four, five, six, seven, eight. When they became teenagers, they started, oh, this is so stupid. Do we have to do this? And I said, yeah, it's important to me. But it's like, I love this story. My daughter, Mary, who was co-author of the One Positive from Parenting Tools book, said right in the middle of her teen years when she had been complaining, thinking, oh, this is so stupid. She went over and stayed overnight with a friend. And the next day she came back and said, that family is so screwed up. They should be having family meetings. <laughs> and then she talks about how she did not know how much she was learning until she got out in the world. And she just thought all families helped with chores and that all family uh, cleaned up the, after their messes and not all people, you know. And so she got in with roommates at college and found out that they were all so disrespectful and self <laughs> She said, you guys, we got to have family meetings. And so she started doing it with her roommates and their friends to this day, just because it's, they were able to work out solutions that worked for everybody. So I have a very similar story and my kids actually same. If you would have asked them, you know, do you love family meetings? And I used to record them. I, and in fact, I don't know if you know, but I have a little YouTube channel with maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 family movies that I've edited because I also wanted people to see, you know, they, they aren't always little parliamentarian moments, you know, that, that like kids will get down from the table and say, I'm, you know, I'm not staying, or you do get the kid, the power struggle that comes with the kid who won't pass the talking stick and <laughs> all that good stuff happens just like in the rest of family life. But I, but because I was raised on them and my parents never gave up on them. And because I knew the value of them coming out the other end, and I believed in the value that they get, I never gave up on them, even when they were 
you know, difficult. And so we, we too always had them. And as the skills in my kids and myself got better, they got smoother or whatever. Um, we tackled bigger problems and exactly the same. When my kids came out the other end and went off to university, they said they, they very much felt it's not whether you like them or don't like them. How else would you do it? Like they are to them. It's just like, you can't take them away is, is really where <laughs> they've come to it. So I've tried to be as, as encouraging as possible to parents to reinforce the benefit and to, to give them the encouragement that, yeah, there, there's work to be done, but the benefit, like anything else we know, right. It's, you'll spend more time correcting a child than training them properly in the first place. Like all those investments really, really come back. And it's, it is a long game, right? Parenting is the long game. Oh, and that reminds me that you were actually a family in focus with strikers when you were a little girl. <laughs> I, I did. You know, I just wrote this up. I think they're doing some individual stories for a special uh, edition of the um, individual psychology journal. So yeah, I, didn't know anything about Adler, obviously, as a kid, but my parents taught parent education. My grandmother was involved in the Toronto organization and Dreikers was coming to town and she was part of the conference organizers and they were looking for a demonstration family and didn't she have one, her grandchildren. And my brothers and I were, we fought hard. We would, we did not have social decorum in front of an audience. <laughs> they, we, we were going to be pretty good, pretty good material for Dr. Dreikers. And uh, so I only have a few memories of it, but I, but I, I do remember meeting him and I remember him focusing on my mother being too pampering and rescuing to my brother. But afterwards, we were also taken away to a room and Dr. Floyd Pepper, who co-wrote Maintaining Sanity in the Classroom, she did a private session with my brothers and I. And she and it was about sibling fighting. And she wanted to know who started the fights. And I was quite adamant, Jane, not I. <laughs> you know, I was maybe four, maybe five. No, it's always them. It's never me. And she somehow, to your point about experiential learning, uh-huh. she managed to get me into a fight with her <laughs> until I realized I started that fight. And, and the big moment for me around that was not that I was not taking responsibility. I honestly was not had a blind spot in understanding that you co-create and you decide mutually whether you want to move to conflict or whether you want to move to cooperation. And I had not seen that as something that I could voluntarily have control and agency over. I took much more that I'm a victim of my circumstance. You know, I'm the baby, this is done to me. And that was life shifting. And that was, you know, a a short conversation with a wonderful Illyrian counselor at the age of five and greatly shaped my life. Right. You know, I'm so glad though that you pointed out that they're never perfect. I don't know if you remember this story about a bunch of Adlerians many years ago who decided they would try to find the perfect family meeting. And so they had people recording their meetings for about two years and then they gave up and said, there's no such thing as a, as a perfect one. And, you know, I was telling you that we have positive discipline conferences and we had one just, just a couple of weeks ago. And is this one the of, one from 37 countries attended? Well, that was in February, but this one that we just had, we only had, 27 countries. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> Some people, it was a smaller a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first one we had over 500 people attend. And this last one, I think it was 300, but we had one of our trainers who did movies of her family. And she told us, she said, 
I wanted to do a perfect one, but there's just no such thing. And so she does have the kids doing their little funny things. And it was so inspirational. It was so much more inspirational for people to know, oh, her kids act silly just like mine do. <laughs> and, and that I don't have to be perfect. But I have started when people say, what do I do about this? I ask, are you having family meetings? And when they say no, I say, have family meetings for three months and then come back. And if you haven't answered the question, I'll, I'll give you some tips. But I, I just really do think that it could not make it perfect. No, 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 no. But uh, it's just so much more effective. And, and one of the things is, though, that you come up with rules and your kids call you on it. Yes. You know, yes. like another one of my favorite stories is when I came home and said, who left their dishes in the sink? And nobody would admit that they had done it. And, and so I, I said, well, okay, we'll put it on the agenda. And so we put nobody's dishes on the sink. Oh, but first, my son said, are you looking for blame or are you looking for solutions? <laughs> <laughs> he learned that one. Great. Well, and to your point, I remember we, uh, one of our family solutions that we were going to, um, uh, instead of sort of picking up as we went along, which kind of wasn't in any of our natures, that we decided that we could just call like a, a, a 10 second tidy. And then mm -hmm. people just run around, blitz the house and just pick up whatever they had like dropped about mm -hmm. or whatever. So we'd kind of keep a certain amount of, you know, level of cleanliness in the home. And every time someone would call, and they could call a 10 second tidy too. And they would call, of course, you know, I would have all my boxes of workshop materials and my easel and my, all the experiential props that we have. And it's like, I was always the messiest one in the house. And they just, they, and I cleaned up just like everybody else. I didn't complain, but they liked that it was a mutual problem and a mutual solution. And it wasn't just, you know, something to keep the kids accountable for their carrying the load. It was also me being accountable. And they, they quite, they quite liked that as well. Can we talk about your books and some of the other ways that people can tap in and, and join the movement? Sure. As you said, sure. there's one for just about every topic you can think of. I, I don't know if you even know that we now have positives for keeping the joy in relationships <laughs> because we have these tool cards, these 52 tool cards of tips. And one of our uh, trainers decided to try the parenting tool cards in their marriage. And they said that after they finished, they felt like they were on their honeymoon again after 25 years of marriage. So I said, oh, okay, let's do tool cards for, for marriage and a workshop. And now we have um, for empowering people in the workplace because people say, oh, this works with my employees. Or so we said, okay, so Dina, Emsra, and I uh, just, that's just been about a year or two created this empowering people in the work in the workplace. So we just have um, uh, many, many books that are all filled with tools uh, for the different populations that speak to the different populations. And those are all available through the, I'm, and folks, I will put up links to all of this information. So you will find it in the show notes, but the hub of all of this mostly is to go to the positive discipline website. Is that correct? com. Yeah. And then you've got links off. And then if you sign up for the newsletter, you get these uh, cards. Is that correct? They'll, they'll get 52 weeks of a little tips for the tools for 52. They'll come the tool and there'll be an example of how to use it a little. In your mailbox. Eva. Right. Yeah. yeah. Once a week for 52 weeks, they'll learn about a different tool card. Wow. There's your, you know, 2020, 2021 turnaround. And then the books. 
tell me about the books and who's you know, you're writing them but you have, my mom was a art teacher so I'm always interested in who's the illustrator <laughs> well for the books or the yeah for the books you've got Jared's a cool out space oh, and, and another one that's just launching the children's books oh I love that you know I thought the first one is Jared's cool out space and it's about time out that is not punitive but helping kids create their own and at the end it's inmost because I thought okay one way to teach parents even is through a children's book and it's just it is delightful it has we have this great illustrator and and then the one that is going to print soon is uh, Sophia's Anger Wheel of Choice, <laughs> where it's, I sent that to you so you could take a look, but you saw the illustrations are just delightful. Beautiful, yeah. About these kids where her brother knocks over her blocks and she wants to knock him over <laughs> and instead learns to create her Anger Wheel of Choice. And so, yeah, it's just really fun to do that. Uh, several books, training manuals full of experiential activities, and a lot of people take our training, even though it trains them to teach parenting classes, they usually just like it for themselves, but they, they get, can get certified also to teach, to share it with others. Well, and we need people, you know, each one teach one. And that was, again, sort of Dreikers was really encouraging people to, people would hold back saying, oh, I'm not an expert enough. And it's like, you were like, the material is holding the knowledge. Your participation is in the coordination. And of course, your group is far more, because that's like a book study. Your group, it really knows how to conduct those experiential pieces, which I hope everyone knows what experiential means, but it is the felt experience you literally, you're not, you're not getting book smart. You are emotionally being moved through an experience that really changes you. I think that's why. You, you role play the child who is experiencing the tool, the, the, the punishment or and then uh, what, how you feel and what you're deciding. And, or then to do the uh, positive discipline tool and how that makes you think, feel and decide. There was something else I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. Oh, just about encouraging people to, yes, learn for yourself, but also learn to teach and train because that's how we're going to get the word out there. And uh, uh, there's ways to to get trained to do that. But again, parents who say like, oh, well, I'm not an expert or whatever. You, 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 yeah, you get trained. So the, the, the philosophy and the tools and the theories that you've created are there. We're just helping people discover them. In fact, I've written an article, uh, an activity called Don't Be an Expert. <laughs> awesome. Say, say a little more about that. Because as, as trainers, our job is to teach other parents to be experts in their own life. And that's why we do the experiential activities instead of lecture and telling them what to do. And then they say, well, what do I do when you're not around? We want them to learn to be experts in their own lives from their own experiences and, of learning and developing the skills. Yeah. And then to be able to feel like you have a community to come back to, because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, I, I think a natural consequence for my child not wearing his jacket to school is that he'll be chilly on his fall walk. But what will all the other parents and teachers think of me in the schoolyard? I'm the only one who's practicing this. And it feels really great when you can connect with other people and saying, no, that you're doing a great job and that's natural consequences. And you're trusting him to learn experientially and decide for himself. And you won't be judged. And we, we need our community of people because you can feel lonely sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Well, I do you have anything uh, on the horizon? Or, you, like, or at some point, do you just say, I'm going to put up my feet and just enjoy my great grandkids? You have been, you have been tireless. 
yeah, just at the time I'm ready to join my great grandkids, I can't see them. So, yeah. Uh, but I will tell you that on the, you know, we have the positivediscipline.com and then we also have the positivediscipline.org, the, the nonprofit. And that lists all the classes. And it's fun to go there and see how many classes are being taught all over the world because people from all over the world list their classes there. And some people may prefer, do you have virtual training? Are you doing well, That's all we're doing now. And yeah. I'm so impressed with how many of our leaders just got busy and figured out how to do experiential online. So it's still, we do the uh, lots of online classes where they're doing the experiential, they're doing the role playing. It's well, different. that may be a very good thing for some of our uh, uh, Canadians here who still have their preferred learning in their first language, where it's like, actually, why don't you just tap into the Spanish one and <laughs> you can learn it in your own language. There you go. Oh, Problem France. solved. Oh, we have a, a, there's a big organization in, in France and who are doing act and Spanish, a lot of them in Spanish, a lot of them, but Polish, German. I mean, yeah, we have just a lot, a lot of different languages. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited for all you're offering the world and how I really do think that one of the major ways that people come to learn about Adler, Dreikers, uh, and the greater theory, the bigger theory, because of course it goes beyond parenting and into a philosophy for living life. You know, it's just a lot beyond the parenting, but if it, we can hook people with the parenting and then they get curious about learning even more and spreading it because the word of mouth, uh, the spoken word mother to mother network, I think is incredibly powerful. And, uh, and, and to your point, when we change a family, we change a community and we really, and we change the world. And may, may, maybe we are just that one generation away with all the work you're doing. Well, we are even thinking of doing tool cars for politicians. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. I'll fund that one. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Allison, I just love all the work you do, too. And oh, I thank you. Well, you've been an inspiration. And to your point, if it wasn't fun, what's the point? And, and this, I, I, we, we do find great joy in our jobs. And I do find that a lot in our Adlerian group are happy people that live a really long lifespan. And I, I think it is because we are happy, joyful people that walk the talk and enjoy being contributive and collaborative and and uh, I, I appreciate having you in my life thank you for saying yes to this interview well thank you it's been my joy and pleasure great all right till, till the next one next catch up stay in touch and thank you bye-bye bye as you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.